What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, a podcast to promote and improve your practice as an athletic trainer. So I had a conversation with some of my bosses about where our value is. So my question was, like, what is important to you? Because as an athletic trainer, we see people posting, oh, well, I've collected this much data. I've done this much money worth of ankle rehab or this much this much dollar value worth of ice bags or worth of uh, manual manipulations or whatever it is. And so does that matter at all to the administration? Well, there's only one real way to find out. And my administration didn't have a clear cut, oh, wait, these are the these are the dollar values we're looking for. This is exactly what we're looking for. But some of the questions that they had, we're going to go through. And since I'm not very good at collecting, I mean, I'm not very good at analyzing the data, I asked Scott to be on. And since Daria has a lot of experience with epidemiology, so one of the questions was, what are we doing to prevent further injuries? Well, that's epidemiology. You have to know what's causing it to prevent it. And so we're kind of, we're going to kind of work together to create this situation. And Daria and I have talked before, and epidemiology isn't a strong point either because it's kind of like, all right, well, whatever, they're just getting hurt. But there's a reason. And so in these conversations, Daria's going to try and dumb it down for me. But, you know, it's something she's excited about, passionate about, so she's going to she's gonna talk, and then we're going to – I'll ask the dumb questions. So without much further ado, Scott and Daria, welcome. Um, and then just give a quick quick shout-out and maybe a little bit of like, like a – one minute background of your experience in AT, physical therapy, sports medicine. Daria, why don't you start us? Thank you for having me. So quick with my background, um, my undergrad is in AT from James Madison, and then I went to PT school at Seton Hall. And then after that, I was at Penn State for four years working on a giant epidemiology project that we will get into, which is where I found a big passion for it and looking at injury prevention. And now I'm currently working as a physical therapist. I'm in an outpatient clinic with Proactivity, and I'm also on site in an industrial setting. Fantastic. Scott? Jeremy, thanks again for having me. So I'm also in the industrial setting as well. I did my undergrad and graduate at Kent State University. I've uh, been in the uh, industrial setting for about five years. Prior to that, I was in the secondary school setting um, in Dayton, Ohio, and still currently in Dayton, Ohio. I also own and operate my own uh, private business, AT Efficiency, where I collect uh, data and analyze that data from various sports medicine companies across the country. Also chair of OATA's COPA committee and chair of NATA's COPA Analytics and Outcomes Committee. All right. So this is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash data collection, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash data collection, where we'll, I'll have the questions that my admin asked listed, some of the tips from Scott and Daria already. Before we even had the discussion, they've got some some tips and looking at data collection, epidemiology, and then we'll go through the conversation from there. So I want to start off kind of looking at my numbers. So, so I gave Scott my injury reports and my daily treatments, my logins for 2019-2020, right? That's what you did it all from last year, right, Scott? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so... Yeah, I just did 2019-2020, yeah. Yeah. And so that's obviously COVID. So that's basically August to March 10th. March 10th would have been probably the very last day because that's when we started spring break and we never came back from spring break like most other people. And so we're, we're looking at the data during that window. So Scott, why don't you kind of open it us, open it up and kind of show us what you found. He's going to share his screen if you're watching sure. live. If not, then... Uh, I would recommend going back and, and watching live there on Facebook or YouTube. So go ahead, Scott. Okay, great. So uh, you shared with me some de-identified data. And, and basically, you know, this is from your uh, EMR. And it, it, a lot of EMRs out there, you know, you can convert this into a spreadsheet where you can break this down a little bit further. Some EMRs out there even even break down uh, some some specifics. Uh, I wanted to take a look at this and 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 just break it down manually because that's what I like to do. Because um, you get a lot of information, and as athletic trainers, you know we are exposed to a lot of this data on a daily basis and uh, a ton of it, and it goes into our EMR. So you know we can really break this down and present uh, to our stakeholders, you know, our successes. Um, you know, can, you can you can provide quality improvements to um, to what we're doing every day. So it's extremely important that we really buckle down and take a deeper look in, at our data and what we're doing. I'll 
provide a few examples of what of what I'm talking about. So first off, I want to take a look at at the questions that 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 were asked here, and uh, we'll go over some of these. So what I have here is I have some tangible and intangible. Intangible are going to be the value saved, uh, the dollar amount. You know, breaking that down again, that's always up for debate. And really, in order to to prove a point, you're going to need some good research. But first of all, if you're if if you really want to look at that value and you want to break that down, my first recommendation is you talk to your stakeholders about what you need to be collecting, uh, what's going to be important for them, right? Because at the end of the day, they're the ones paying the bills, they're the ones that are doing the performance, et cetera, et cetera. So talk to them and see what they want. So it's the athletic director, it's the hospital admin, it's your supervisor, it's the AT manager, uh, it's the PT manager, uh, you know, CEO, uh, safety, if it's in the industrial setting, but talk to them and ask them what they are looking for. So you have the questions here and here are some of our, our tangibles. So you have your treatments per week, uh, any kind of prevention practices that protect the athlete, uh, common questions, uh, so numbers of, of reported, uh, you know, whether the severity of injuries. And then I have some uh, some other ones that I couldn't really um, answer just because of based on the data. So what I generally like to do is, you know, we need to find ways to to improve the quality of, of what we're doing. And a lot of times that data is going to help us. So let's go to the data breakdown sheet. And what I did is I, I just, uh, you know, pretty simple in Excel, you, you know, you, you can do a, uh, you can format the table uh, pretty easy. And then at the end of it, you just type in up here, total rows. And when you type in total rows and you come down here, uh, just real quickly, uh, you can get specifics on like numbers or anything like that. So it's pretty pretty simple in Excel to do. So it's basically counting the numbers and doing the math to see, you know, how many are compared to, to the, the injuries, et cetera. So, uh, so you had recorded uh, 238 injuries that were recordable that obviously needed some sort of attention that needed documentation. And this is aside from our daily treatment logs, because obviously with our daily treatment logs, we're going to get thousands upon thousands of entries, uh, you know, just for band-aids, et cetera. So I broke it down into gender. Again, these are tangibles. These are something that we can look at. So, uh, you know, you had more males, but looking at the grades, uh, the ages, and then the sport. But one thing that really stuck out to me starting off with is looking at the grades. And we had, again, our underclassmen had more injuries. Uh, and that's pretty much common because we're getting more underclassmen coming out for specific sports. Etc. Uh, but one thing that I was looking at in regards to this is, you know, applying this to your prevention and developing prevention programs based off of um, your underclassmen. And I'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, looking at sport again, this is stuff that we've been collecting. You know, how many kids are coming in and what specific sports they're associated with. Obviously, football had the most injuries and that's that's common ground you know uh, with a lot of research out there uh, you had nature of injury and uh, you know the the more of acute uh, injuries were the were the 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 number one so 75 percent of those um, so when I looked at injury survey uh, survey uh, severity you had mild injuries, 79%, moderate injuries, or 8%, and then, uh, you know, severe injuries are 13%. And I know this is, this, is, this is a lot to handle with this topic, especially after the election with all these numbers going back and forth. So I get it. Uh, we've been seeing percentages and numbers all over the place. But let's let's just talk about this a little bit. So, Jeremy, do you so just basically what I've discussed right now? Do you have any specific questions or something that I I missed at this point? Uh, um, you you where you said you broke it down by grade, by age, by sport. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, you took the whole the total and broke down the total by grade, the total by age, the total by sport. Like you didn't break it down by grade and then by age and then by sport, correct? 
All right, so Daria, looking at what we've seen so far, what are you thinking? A couple of thoughts on things. So one thing, like seeing a, and I should add first, sorry, I, I'm coming at this more from like a research background. So the the goals are like the approach would be a little bit different. Cause I have, I've done things like this too. Um, and so say when you see a difference with a grade or an age or a sport, one of the first things I want to look at, well, what's the exposure? Um, say, I'm going to make this up, say one sport had more injuries than the other sports, but they practiced more. Like if you literally, you can measure that in time. You could look at practice days, the number of sessions. You could go down to minutes if you have a lot of time and resources. So when you start to look at, I just always say it's making fractions. And you would put, say, like the number of injuries over the exposure, like player days. You're multiplying the number of players by the number of days or sessions, whatever, because that could start to look at some of those. Why are you seeing a difference? It could be a true, like, this is something that happens in the sport. Or it could be, oh, maybe they're playing more. or Maybe they had more um, players who were on the team. And then another thing, just to kind of get everybody thinking about as we go through this, is how are we, or say, how are you in this case, defining an injury? How are you defining the severity of an injury? Because when you look in the literature, there are different ways to do it. There's not always a right or wrong. It is what specific, what's working for you. It could be clinically. This is just in my setting, how we define it. There could be, say, in an industrial setting, OSHA has an injury definition. Or in research, you could have your own definition um, of all the other literature. So this way, we're all on the same page and you know what you're talking about. And then this way, if you ever want to compare data with anybody else, you, you know you're, you're on the same page talking, comparing very similar things. Yeah, so that, that is actually one of the questions that I had in that that I saw right there. Is you said there was more male than female injuries. Did you have the total number, Scott, of male and female participants? Because in general, there's going to be more male participants, so it would make sense that there's a more a higher number of male injuries. So did you did I give you that information? Yeah, I looked at. It. So there were yeah. So there were participating overall. There were 131 males. Not participating. So that was of the injuries entered. Yeah, yeah, injuries. No, I did not look at that. Okay. Yeah, so that's something that I would have to go back and look at, like, all the rosters in rank one and see the total number of male versus female to get right. the total number of exposures or, like, total yes, whatever. It, it is. Okay. And that and that was actually one of my, you know, quality improvement type of uh, recommendations. Um, and so one of them was the injury surveillance and the – the epidemiological uh, uh, surveillance and, and information that we're getting. So how many, how many athletes, and, and this is, so when we get into this, this is a little bit more of a number crunching, but I'm sure you have a bunch of student aides that would be more than happy to collect data on a daily basis. That's going to a help them in the long run and actually help you. So just a, just a thought out there. But what you're doing is when you're doing like a, a injury exposure, you, you're you have someone that's at football and you're seeing how many are participating, who's participating, who's out with an injury or who's not even there just mm. because of an illness or an appointment or something like that. So every single day. So your numbers are going to vary. So you 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 probably won't have 100 percent participation that everyone's healthy and participating. So that's that's what I recommend. And that's what I've been recommending to a lot of my clients too, is t to really look at that injury exposure because you're going to get more specifics on that. You're going to look at, you know, the lost time injuries or how long it takes for someone to come back because you're specifically tracking that athlete. Um, you're also going to be looking at, um, you know, uh, time loss, non-time loss injuries metrics, which is something that we don't really take too too. Uh, much uh, closer of a look at, uh, but then also overall the patient exposures and you'd get more of a uh, narrowed down number of, of, of what's actually happening. So if you had an injury like one in 100, you know, one athlete out of every 100 is, is injured or and you know, our epidemiologist can, can go a little bit more in depth with that just because that's not my strong point, but it, it's important with the data and, it, and it, it, we get a lot of information out of it. So, I'll add to um, that too. You raised a good point. Um, from the research that I did, so just really quick, I looked at the injuries and illnesses at Penn State sport camps, which have about 9,000 kids every summer and 28 sports. Um, we looked at the exposure with camper days. So I would multiply the number of campers for a day by um, by the number of days that we had. And we just assumed for the sake of, because this is a giant project, all campers are present at all 
sessions all days. You can be picky and actually count. Like say it's the sport that's going to have multiple practices a day. Well, maybe you have a hundred percent in the morning, but then the afternoon practice there's less and maybe everybody's back in the evening and you can kind of pick how you want to do that. And as long as you and everybody who's looking at is aware of either you're getting an exact count or you're going to estimate just because it would be impossible. Like in my setting to count for 9,000 kids every day. Yeah, that makes it a little bit easier too. It's uh, it's obviously another route you can go as well. Um, so, you know, that's something to, to look at in the uh, in the future. So that's one of my recommendations. But uh, you also had a a, a this, uh, question regarding like number of interact. I I go by interactions because you know this uh, you know I work in the industrial field, so it's the interactions. Um, so even if someone comes in for a band aid or something like that, you're, you're documenting everything. It, it's extremely important because we need to know how many interactions we're having. So when we're looking at our monthly interactions, you know, uh, you know, breaking those down, um, you know, averaging per month, uh, 300, 305, almost 306 interactions per month. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's a lot of people coming in. And again, and I know a lot of those are multiples, um, you know, minus in COVID, you know, if we, we include these metrics, you're looking at a, an additional 900. Well, I don't know if you count June as much, but you're looking at an additional, uh, you know, seven to 900 interactions um, total. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, you're getting your fair share of individuals coming in. And, uh, you know, I think looking at high schools across the country, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's common. And that's really where, where our value comes in. And when we look at, you know, when we talk about value and there's different definitions and, and, you know, value is so subjective and you could talk to, I've said this before, you could talk to 10 different economists across the country about value and they're going to say 10 different answers about it. Uh, and it's going to, it's even more specific with different settings. Uh, when we look at athletic training, I think the value comes from the big part of our value comes from the interactions uh, in, in, uh, of, uh, of people that we see. Because for one thing is, you know, that really defines what we're doing um, with our, within our job scope. You know, we're seeing these people, uh, we're providing coverage, we're providing services and they're actually utilizing our services. So, you know, the number of interactions is going to be an, an important take on that. And that's a big part of the value that we see. Another part of that value is going to be the prevention part of it. Um, so you had that, that question that's talking about prevention. Um, um, and, you know, I, I'm looking at it. I felt that it was too specific with what the numbers that you have. Um, but what I would recommend is in your spreadsheet and you're going through a case by case and even in your daily interaction log, that if you can like put like indicators or markers that say prevention, um, whether it's like a taping ankle or a manual stretching session, you know, that would be, that would be important to understand what types of interactions these are um, versus uh, you know, just making it more, making it more specific in that sense. Does that make sense to you, Jeremy? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we, we go with what's there inside of, at yeah, High School, we use rank one and, you know, we go with, with what's, what's inside of there. And then sometimes in the comments box, we'll type preventative rather than clicking the little checkbox. And so it, it may, it, Obviously, it's a fault of the data collectors, which is me and my coworker. Um, but that's definitely a good, good idea. And, and it's just a matter of we look at it and then we realize we can collect more or we can do more. Like Dario was saying, you fraction down or something like that. If you start somewhere, so start it. If you're a zero, then at least collect the name and the injury or, the, you know, the name and the body part. And then maybe next year you start collecting more, something like that. But, yeah, it's definitely small tips that can help improve, help us make a difference. Mm -hmm. I'll add to just to kind of get people just to plant some seeds. So say you start, you have your, you know, a little bit of data your first year getting going, which is great. And then, so say I'm looking at the number of interactions, which I love that you have that. I call, when I did my research, I called them contacts. I just made up a thing because I hadn't come across it in the literature yet. And so I would look at it as a researcher and as a clinician, what does that number mean? 
is that good? Is it bad? I have no idea. Um, so you can say maybe if you have a couple years, you start tracking things, are the, say, for interactions, is that going up or down? And you could look at that. Is that good or bad? You could look on the good end. That's great. More kids are coming in. We're getting to know them. They're going to help. Or you could look at it. Is this going up as bad? Because why aren't we preventing things? If we're doing preventative strategies, then ideally numbers should be going down depending on what you're looking at. So that's something to consider. And then even on the when you're clicking prevention and looking at prevention strategies, whatever they are, you in theory then would want to see certain numbers going down over time. If you're impl if you have, you can either look at your own data that you have or look to the literature. There's tons of stuff that is available on high school, um, which I have, which I sent to you. Tons and tons of stuff you look at to compare your information to what is being seen nationally. And if you're seeing, well, you know, we started doing this, say a stretching program. And then all of a sudden that the injuries start going down over time. Well, that's great. Maybe that prevention strategy is working versus if you start to see the number of injuries are still going up, even though you're implementing a strategy, well, maybe that means it's not working and you should reassess it. So just to kind of take it a step farther and as you're starting a system to kind of think um, where can you go with it? Yeah, absolutely. And that, that kind of segues into my last, uh, one of my last points here, um, doing like a comparative analysis with with this so jeremy you, you have this information and we'll just basically start with this and one thing that i was looking at again as the underclassmen so the ninth grade graders were recording more injuries um, versus some of the other grades and you know we talked a little bit and one thing that i i discussed with you is perhaps an injury prevention program uh, onboarding injury prevention program focused on underclassmen coming up. So like those eighth graders that are in, in training uh, prior to the season, you have a specific program for them that's going to educate them more on their bodies to help them uh, reduce any type of musculoskeletal injuries because that's what the most of them that they were encountering, musculoskeletal injuries. We have them here. Uh, so I think that's going to be important in the industrial setting. That's really what we, we do is we look at, you know, where are the weaknesses and we focus on those. So, you know, we, we start small because if you start huge, you're just going to overwhelm yourself. So start with a small group. That's going to be our underclassmen. They're going to be more likely to go through a specific program with you. Uh, educate those coaches too on what they should be doing, especially freshman coaches and, you know, take them through that and, see if this works, you know, um, implement that and see next year with those numbers, did those numbers come down um, with injuries in regards to underclassmen? Um, and then another point too is with your football concussions, um, seven of them were freshmen uh, out, of, out, of, out of 12 concussions during football. And really to me, that's more of another education issue with hitting um, and again this is based off of my my thoughts and my recommendations and looking into maybe head impact monitoring to see if you know whether or not they are uh, whether or not they're 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 making contact or hitting properly or something like that or you know even not even investing in that but really talking to those freshman coaches or those coaches to just hammer home the importance of not leading with your head or blocking or something like that. So again, from that data, that's something that I, I, I obtained. Um, and again, some, some recommendations with that and to, to compare that to next year to see if those numbers go down, if we really do that education piece. And that's going to be your most important part. And it's going to, it's going to be the most cost effective because essentially with the data that you have, you don't have to really invest into anything. And I have the head impact monitoring. I know this can be expensive, but, you know, really hammering with those freshman coaches the, the importance of, of hitting in proper form with those young kids. I kind of want to jump back for a second because we had sort of brought up time loss injuries. Um, and it, this an option is something that you can look at, too, when you are determining how you want to classify an injury. And it could be like an ankle sprain, grade one, grade two, grade three, something that's standardized. Or it could be whatever fits your setting. What you'll see in the literature is, was there a time loss from the injury? Meaning, did they actually have to be held out of participation due to whatever injury happened? And that time loss could be an inning. It could be a quarter. It could be a game. It could be a session, a week, whatever you want to make that, that that is like your mark. And that's something you can look at, too, when you're looking at all this other information, is of those injuries that are happening, um, 
which ones are actually severe enough to be holding them out of participation and maybe looking, is there a common, a commonality with it? Let's say like with the concussions, like everyone's hitting with their head down and that's what's happening. That's a pretty straightforward thing to find. But if you're seeing, well, for everybody who is having to be held out of at least one practice or game, whatever you pick, maybe there's this common trend. Maybe they didn't warm up first. Maybe the field conditions were really bad. Uh, maybe they weren't in the proper cleats, who knows, something like that. But looking for those other little things too, which is where, where there's a benefit to looking um, at time loss. And then going back to like, how are you defining an injury? In some studies, an injury literally is defined by time loss. If time is not lost from participation, there is no injury. And that is completely, you know, whatever the choice of whoever's looking at it. But um, I think a really important thing to consider. Yeah, absolutely. And you can go, you can go extremely specific. And, uh, you, you know, with, with COPA, uh, uh, A&O committee, we, we did release a survey uh, last year talking about, uh, you know, value and data collection. And, you know, a lot of the stuff that keep coming up was, was the time component. And, you know, that's, and I get it. And, you know, in a high school, when you have 60 kids coming in at one time, it's a little bit easier in the industrial setting. We don't have as, as many uh, patient flow and we can track more specific information. Uh, you know, my recommendation for you is, you know, if you're in a secondary school, college, university, and you're, you want to get more involved with data collection, just, just really start slow uh, and don't overwhelm yourself because once you start overwhelming yourself, that's when you don't want to, to continue to, to do this. And it's extremely important for you. Uh, but, you know, that's a great point. You know, field conditions, you're looking at different variables. And a lot of the EMRs, you can click that, and it makes it much easier to that. And if, if you're not seeing that with your EMR, reach out to them, because I'm sure that, you know, if your company or organization is paying for it, they'll probably customize it to fit your needs as well. Um, so we'll go into this last bit of information that talks about the cost, and, and um, we'll, we'll go through that. And I'll just discuss this a little bit more in depth, because it, it really com it comes up a lot. And it depends what setting you're in, whether or not that's going to be as, as any importance to you. And I talk about this a lot. So I went through, and really, I, I did just a, a basic sweep of some of your information, um, looking at your injury reports. So generally, on average, and I'm, I'm uh, getting my information from this study, and there's a ton of studies out there. There's a few studies out there. Cost of injuries uh, so from a North Carolina high school athletes, and this was in 2007. So I, I incorporated a, an inflation percentage on it. But in an industrial setting, we rely heavily on this. It's helped save my job several times just by uh, discussing the cost perspective to some CEOs and, and uh, you know, what they're paying. Um, but, you know, from this study, the mean medical cost, and this is coming out from uh, outpatient uh, data collected from uh, athletes that have gone to the hospital that have received some care was about $709 per athlete on average. Uh, in inflation's percent, uh, perspective, it's 890 right now. So that's our direct cost I look at. And then we also have to look at our indirect costs. And according to this study, it was uh, you know $2,223, which uh, inflation-wise is, I believe I have it on here, yeah, $2,700. So... Uh, so what I did with this is I just took that number 800 for every injury, and then you had your indirect cost for every injury. And the cost that I got is an, a projected cost savings. So direct cost 168,000, uh, indirect cost 527,000, total of almost $700,000. So if you go to your AD, and some of you go to your AD and, and show this to them, they'll they might not even really care about this. Um, it, it, it's, it's, you have to ask a few different questions. Like, well, where's this money coming from? Is this, is these, are these true dollars? Uh, so, you know, when I first started doing a lot of this, I was, I was really excited about this, but the more research that I read into it, the more I was looking at it from saying that this is good, but it doesn't really represent everything. Um, so you have to take a look. And when I, when I look at the, the specifics of, of dollars, you have to take a look and ask yourself, well, who are you, who are you saving money from? Okay. So there's different, there's, there's, there's different schools of thought. So 
you know, Jeremy, you're, you're directly, um, you're directly employed with the high school. So, you know, you could say that you're saving the school district, you're saving uh, parents money. And, you know, if you show them that, Hey, you know, you, they, they worked out with me here and I saved the X, Y, and Z money, they might be happy. But what I look at it too is reducing unnecessary trips to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of the costs do come from. And if you look at it now, emergency rooms are very dangerous places to go for a mild ankle sprain, right? So that's that's the part of it right there. Uh, I'm going to jump in good. really quick. Yeah, I sure. just want to really quick to add. This, this. Is, this is interesting. So when I was looking at all these Penn State sport hip injuries, one of the things that they had started recording, I had to make it really fast. I had four years of log books that were very not helpful with very minimal information. And then two years of I implemented a paper-based system to get more information. But through that whole time, even before I started, they would track any time they had to take a kid either to the emergency department, to the health center, whatever, to out to see a physician. And for, I had six years of data from that. And there was a whole amazing system in place to make sure we were triaging kids appropriately. They're only going when they have to that, you know, we can handle stuff in-house um, as we are trained to do. And this is not like an apples to apples comparison, but of all, of, if I remember correctly, of those six years of data, only 9.9% of all injuries and illnesses, which is, there's a lot, um, had to go be seen by a physician at the hospital or a doctor's office versus looking at, there's a neat study called the Healthy Camp Study nationwide, looking at just general overnight camps and about 60% of all of their injuries and illnesses got sent out. And so it's one thing that kind of speaks to obviously our role and with the importance of having athletic trainers present um, and being there immediately to help assess and triage things. But the, and that from like cost savings, that the cost would be to the parents and or to the camp, depending on like the nature of what had happened. And then also, as you were saying, like, yeah, cutting down just on unnecessary visits in general, if stuff doesn't have to go to the emergency department, if it does, you don't have to unnecessarily be exposed to radiation x-ray, being prescribed pain medication, any things like that. That's a fantastic thing to do. And that's an easy thing you could actually add into recording. Um, how many of all of the kids you've seen, how many have to go to the physician? And you could even, I added tracking. What was the official diagnosis? Did we suspected a fracture. Did they actually have a fracture? And just kind of looking to like how, you know, was everything kind of lining up? Or were you sending, I don't think you do this, but tons of kids to the hospital and most of them, you know, would be fine. But that's a really, really um, great thing to look at, especially now as you brought up trying to minimize being in a hospital. Yeah, especially with COVID. Um... So, you, you know, it's, so what I would recommend is I would, I would definitely look at Jeremy, the, the ER uh, and really breaking those down uh, the specifics with that. So if you look at what you're doing and, you know, say for instance, it will take the ankle sprain, for example, you're not too sure if it is a, a fracture uh, or just a really bad sprain, but you know, again, it's non-life threatening and you say hey let's just work let's just work with me for a few days and see if it improves and you know based off of your knowledge and your expertise and you see that you know we're seeing some some functional uh, improvements here you know swelling's going down with just basic treatment and rehabilitation then you could basically put that down in your notes as that individual did not need to go see did not need to go to the er um and and that's saving you know, a ton of money, but also that indirect cost. Um, we all know ER visits are not cheap, uh, whether it's coming through our insurance or whether we're paying out of pocket. You know, again, when we look at that number, those numbers, there's two, there's so many variables out there. There's the insurance, there's what region you're in. And you know, New York City is going to be different from Dayton, Ohio, on what you have to pay. Um, so, and versus Houston, Texas. So it's, it, it, there's so many variables. And, you know, I've looked at the CMS. And then in California, there's like over 50 different areas, 15, I'm sorry, 15 different areas where there's, uh, you know, when you're looking at CMS and it just varies by a few dollars to a few cents. And it's really not worth worth looking at that. But if you're really looking at the, the emergency room costs, I mean, we're saving, we're helping out a lot in that regard. Uh, but I did have, I did want to real fast go over the indirect costs. Uh, and, you know, in the industrial setting, we talk about that a lot. But uh, according to several studies, one of them being the Stanford study, and it looks to me like the same study, but for every direct cost, it's about five times the indirect cost. So, you know, when you look at high school kids in general, looking at what you're doing, generally, you know, there's no, there's no like 
you know, value cost on them not, you know, not participating in their sport because, you know, they're not getting paid for it. But say, for instance, they do have a part-time job that, you know, they have a knee injury, they can't really do much, or their parents are taking them to the doctor's office and the parents need to take PTO or they're not, they're not, uh, you know, working, um, you know, cost of mileage. That's where that indirect cost goes in, into that. So, um, but, you know, as far as looking at your data, again, like, like I said, I'm really happy with what I saw because generally when we talk about documentation, we're really trying to get athletic trainers to, to, to document, document, document uh, everything across the board, um, more specific now more than ever. And, uh, you know, as part of being involved with COPA and advancing the profession, that's really where, where everything lies. It's the data collection. And to get that data, it's the documentation. Yes, I'll add into that just from my own yes. work that in Excel, my, the columns literally went from A to AY. That is how many variables I had. There's so much information to look at. Start with, don't do that. I don't recommend that. Start mm. small. But there's always so much you, um, that you can do. I'm going to like go back for a second, going back to the emergency department. So one thing that we found, um, and this is a really neat combination working with a graduate research program, Penn State Sport Camps um, in athletics, and everybody kind of coming together from different points, was they had changed their system. Previously, most kids were either going to the emergency department or the health center, which weren't really necessarily appropriate, the most appropriate for like non-emergent orthopedic injuries. So you can take the information you have and then look at, is there like a local, like one of the orthopedic urgent care kind of things open later that would be more appropriate than sending a child to emergency department when it's not like a true, you know, life-threatening emergency and start to reach out to the physicians too. I had presented the, um, the trends in our physician referrals at the American Academy of Pediatrics Conference. And they were super interested in that because that's great on the physicians end. It's, you know, they're seeing more kids, they're happy, but it's also getting kids the appropriate care that they need where we all know not everything needs to go to the emergency department. Um, so that's another thing you can look at who, what injuries did you have? Why were they being sent out? And would that the best choice? Sometimes that's the only choice you have. I know geographically, sometimes just the hospital is the closest thing, but that's, and that's a great talking point then to go to your local physicians and say, Hey, here's what we're looking at. We have these kids being sent here, but I think you might be a little bit more appropriate. Can we work something out? Can we have a program? Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, I think I think it's also important to focus on the the outreach athletic trainers too. That when you look at it, that they are getting. That's how a lot of a lot of programs justify their their program with with revenue to the hospital if they're if they're referring out to the hospital. Um, you know. Some have, there's mixed opinions uh, about that because again with athletic trainers if we don't feel like they need to go see our orthopedist um, there's no need to send them out uh, for that because we can take care of it but I think athletic trainers act as a great gatekeeper and to help uh, be that liaison within that that huge hospital network and organization and I think that's where a lot of that value comes because you know trying to get a, an appointment with an orthopedist can possibly take six weeks, right? Uh, but, you know, having a team physician and an athletic trainer directly working with them through that organization in that hospital, they can get that athlete in possibly within the week or that physician if they come there. And I don't know your situation, Jeremy, but, you know, they can, that physician can see them right then and there. So I think that's a, that's a tremendous value for a lot of these organizations. And, you know, I, I get that that they need to track that information and they obviously should uh, to look at that um, uh, downstream revenue. And it's going to be important for that. And you could get more specifics too, but then you have that question is, well, is, is, are those top numbers and, and totals, are they directly related to the athletic trainer? And I would say yes and no at the same time, because you have that, uh, that direct referral and a referral always counts as something, but especially if you're performing that procedure like that ACL surgery, well, obviously that's going to be that on that position. Um, but you know, it, it, you get into some gray areas and you get into some some good discussions that I think we, we should really talk about more uh, because it's extremely important because it shows our value. But then also there's going to be debate around it, and we're going to need to provide the research, and we're going to need to to discuss our position when it comes to down to some of these downstream revenue costs um, and, and discussions as well. 
So Dario, without, I know you haven't looked at all of the data and crunched all the numbers like you've done before um, during, you know, your research studies, but what are some of your thoughts as far as epidemiology, preventative um, practices, preventive, preventative things for uh, us here at Pasadena High School? Well, one of the things I remember what stood out, I saw a lot of, there was something like a bunch of hamstring strains and I was kind of like, is that the same kid a bunch of times? <laughs> one thing. So just as like a side thing in that teasing that out. So then you could pick out, all right, is that one kid coming back because it's a follow-up versus like, are there like, um, is it just a lot of kids on one team who are having hamstring strains? Cause you're looking for those trends too. Um, I'm going to give an example just from the healthy cam study because it, it's just a really great study. They had found that this in their first year of collecting data, um, there were injuries happening because people were not handling knives correctly in the kitchen and because kids were running in sandals and flip-flops. So not even doing a formal study yet, just, hey, little things, let's educate people on how to use a knife in the kitchen and let's say sneakers only, cut down on those injuries dramatically. So sometimes it doesn't take a big, you know, fancy, sophisticated statistical analysis. You can just see, are there little trends in there? And that's where it comes down to looking at, and some of this is depends on resources, but how detailed or not are you with recording the mechanism of injury, like anything associated with the injury, and then better trying to tease out how can we prevent it? Because you can make general statements. Obviously, we're seeing a lot of muscle strains. Maybe strains. Maybe we need to stretch and strengthen better. Or it could come down to like a specific thing happening in that practice or game or whatever that's leading to those injuries. So when it's possible, trying to find like a little more when it's feasible information to then have more um, specific strategies. It's one of the things like in, in this industrial setting too, we're looking at like honing in on other specific tasks that are when something's happening, is it an acute thing? Is it kind of stuff that's building over time? Is this something that maybe not be classified as an injury, but there is an ache, a pain, an impairment or a dysfunction too, which gets a little more into the clinical side. Um, but looking at that also, maybe there's not a structural injury, but if things kind of keep where they're at, it might become one. Um, so having a way to, if it's possible to record things like that to account for it. And then when you're looking at the preventative strategies, again, going back to those numbers and seeing, are they decreasing over time like you would expect? Because I think sometimes we think things are preventative, but it's just what we've always done. So let's get some numbers on it. And things can change. There could be old studies that show something. And now in your setting, you know, that doesn't actually apply. Like my sports camp setting is so different than what you would see in a high school setting, seeing kids through a whole season or a whole year. I would see them for a week. Um, so looking specifically at your own unique situation and are the strategies we're implementing actually helping shown by the numbers. I actually kind of want to jump in with another thing really quick too. I just want to go back to value before I forget. Um, so with sport camps, this is a neat thing. So when I started this, it was just on a, on a research standpoint, we're just describing what happens. That's it. There's not, we weren't trying to find something specific. You're just describing what's going on. No interventions, nothing. And completely not on purpose, it ended up getting us paid more and increasing staffing because while I'm doing it for my own research purposes, um, we were able to take it to the administrators, able to take it to risk management even. They loved having all this information. And it showed, hey, at these certain camps, look, here's our workload, which I didn't mean to show, but it actually showed our workload. So maybe these camps need a couple more ATs or students because there's so much volume. Um, maybe during these weeks, we need more people taking kids to the doctor. And look how much we're working um, and actually got us paid a little bit more. So when you can start and say, I don't even want to start doing this because it is so much work and I'm very busy, you can you can be surprised on what's going to come out of it. It could just be nerdy and you have a bunch of numbers that you like to look at, but there could be things that you can take to the athletic directors, you can take to the coaches or whoever else are stakeholders, and they might find something that you weren't even thinking about. Yeah, absolutely. Jeremy, we talked about this last time I was on in 2019 about, I think it was at the time we talked, you know, I was, I was tracking this for about a year or two and I increased my salary by 28%. Uh, you know, right now we're, you know, probably, I think when I looked is about 40% since I've been doing this and so we're looking at about a four, 10% increase per year, uh, just because of, of tracking value, uh, and, you know, I've talked about it before, though, you know, having this this metrics has helped, you know, sign our contracts for an additional year or two uh, just because we are tracking this information. And it goes into a little bit with with uh, uh, with some of the OSHA net metrics, too. Uh, but it's been it's been really it's been really valuable and important. And, you know, talking to some some ATs across the country with what's happening with COVID, you know, we've had uh, administrators ask for their numbers and they just don't have it. And, you know, 
could have, could that have, have helped with uh, with reducing furloughs? I don't know, but it's something that could have could have helped you know add more uh, more push uh, with with those um, with those metrics to help those individuals. So uh, it, it's it, it you know, really it's it's really helpful to to rely on numbers and to continue to, to track this information. So. Um, you know, moving forward, you know, again, with your preventative measures, uh, looking at those specific, yeah, I did, a, you know, looking at generally, uh, what I would recommend is instead of being bombarded with a year's worth of information, break it down by season, break it down by even months too. You could do that um, and look for that specific because you're going to have more time to look at that. You know, if you if you saw an increase with your, your, your girls soccer team and, uh, August of 2020 that they had an uptick in injuries, uh, knee injuries. Well, what's going on? Is it the turf? You know, look at those field conditions. Is it, uh, or, you know, is it something else? So there's a, a couple of things that have kind of come to mind. You know, we talked about, Daria talked about getting them to the appropriate uh, medical facility. So here at Pasadena, we're partnered with Houston Methodist and the hospital like works out a deal with the school district to where pretty much the school insurance covers everything for a doctor's visit. If there's surgery, then there's other parts involved and there is a cost, but it's still greatly reduced because the school insurance will pay for pretty much everything that the hospital owns. So like the anesthesiologist or or uh, MRI they might not own, so that so if they're contracted out, then they have to pay for that. And so, it'd be interesting to see the the cost associated with that, because like we're partnered with it. Like if it's already reduced, in and of itself, I would assume that it is. Um, and then another thing is, like here at Pasadena High School, we have um, I think six girls on the varsity basketball team, and they're waiting for volleyball to finish because it was pushed back, and now they overlap for like four weeks and then there'll be like four girls that transfer and go straight from one to the next and so some of the things that are just interesting to see is like how do I categorize okay well this is a volleyball injury or this was a basketball injury or that kind of things or maybe this was deconditioning and uh, because of COVID or this was she just hadn't been able to make the transition or this is overuse and so there's obviously a lot of possibilities a lot of questions that could come up but what what do you feel like is the basic for somebody who has nothing? What maybe four four things that they have to collect? Four things they have to collect. So Darius got um I could see Darius considering Yeah. Right, I'm thinking I'm going back to when I would look at these old injury log books and like pulling my hair out on why is there information? Body part. That seems really obvious, but you can be as specific as you want and then later on generalize Like you could be like the distal phalanx and later categorize that as a hand. But if you have the, a little more detail up front, you can always generalize. But if you only put hand, you can't go, you necessarily can't go back later and find more detail. Um, so body part, very specific, that's important. And even like a dominant, non-dominant side. Um, I, my clinician brain is always curious more on the interventions. Like I saw when you have like rehab listed or something like, I'm always wondering like, what kind of rehab, which is a little beyond kind of like what we're talking about right now, but even that more specifics, like you could even try like this group's going to do this for a hamstring strain. This group's going to go this route for a hamstring strain and see if there's differences. If you have like that extra time and those resources, but kind of not just grouping like rehab, stretching or like, you know, whatever these broad categories, but again, have a little more detail and later on. If you just want to group it together, that's fine. Um, some of the things you have already great, like having age and having grade, having sport obviously is good. You can always, categorize sports into comparing the contact, non-contact, and collision sports. Um, I know sports are year-round in every season now. So if you want to look at, like, are they in-season getting this injury pre-COVID, or are they out-of-season practicing year-round getting this injury? As you brought up, things are overlapping. You might not be able to account for, well, if they're overlapping, is this volleyball or basketball? But at least just note, like, two things are going on at the same time. And you might see, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a trend with that. Kids are having to go right from one sport to the other. The timeline is completely off now from what they're used to. That could be leading to injury. So just making a note of that, if this is, are they doing two sports at once? Are they, not maybe not now, but are they also on a club team and playing on their high school team and doing multiple things at the same time that could be leading to an injury increase? Scott, I've got body part interventions in sport. I think that's kind of what, what Daria said there for three. So what's, 
if there's one more thing, four four things that we're going to collect, only four because we're brand new to this. What do you think? Yeah, it's always it's always tough. So we have uh, gender, body part, and sport. Um, you know, I would just go back to the interaction. You know, I know we've talked about if it if it's broad, but you know, we could could keep it broad. So you have you know on here you have exercises and modalities. Well, I would consider those two separate. You know, these are just two categories. These are I would consider these two separate um, interactions. So, say for instance, you know, you have, and, and we're going to be very specific. So, you have someone that comes in for uh, for an ankle, and it's one kid, but they are going through their exercises. You know, that's one kid. That's one interaction. Exercises, and the next thing is they get taped. That's another interaction. So, you're keeping track of of that that same kid but they're getting two different they're having two different interactions versus just putting it on the same line because that can get all muddled so then when you have one of your questions here when we were looking at at rehab when we're looking at you know budgetary stuff you know how much tape are you going through you know you can you can estimate like the cost of tape versus what brand of tape that you're using and you're going through an ankle tape and they're using one roll of tape you know you could break that down to say this is how much tape I'll need next year for this specific sport. So my last one would be intervention. I would say you know are they getting re and keep it specific with this one. You know, have a list of ten. Are they getting rehab? Are they having a modality? Are they having tape? Are they having wound care? And then you can really break that down in the end to see how many specific interventions that they were having throughout the course of the year or season, uh, different individuals. All right. So, so Daria said body part, she said interventions and she said sport. And so you could put boys basketball, girls basketball. So then you're getting, should be getting gender and sport at the same time, which could be grouped and, you know, then obviously. So if there's one other things, I know you said interventions and then that's so much you can break down more, but we've got a list of three. We got body part, interventions and sport. So are those the three biggest well, the date, things? The, the date too, the date? obviously. Okay. Yeah. What do you think, Daria? Is that one of the important factors there? The date? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's actually important. I, I mean, granted, when I was looking at date, it was just tracking over like a week or maybe two weeks max. But you can look, like if you are trying to track specific kids or looking at, you can go back then and see is everything happening at the end of the season when everybody's just exhausted. You can argue is at the beginning of the season because maybe people – are just getting like reconditioned again, trying to find those trends. And yet, so without the date, you wouldn't necessarily know that. So also, you know, I would say maybe a caveat too to this is the time spent with that individual. It's going to be a little bit harder, um, but it's like, so say for instance, you're taping someone's ankle, you could put in how much time you spent with that. You could say two minutes, or if they're going through that rehab, you can say 15 minutes. And that can give you an indication of how much time is spent with each individual uh, with the various um, with various interventions and you can you know you know track efficiency and you know plan out your day etc if you know those same individuals are coming in so yeah I wouldn't really count that as an essential but it's something to take a look at and I track the time I've spent with individuals too that's um, a neat thing support. to look at like my clinician brain is saying um, if you had a lot of time with kids spent on passive modalities, maybe not the best always. So as a clinician, that would be a really cool thing to look at. Like how many kids are doing active things, doing things that you teach them what to do and they could come in and kind of work on it on their own versus how many might need you more one-on-one, say it's like a new post-op or something versus like, I'm just coming in to hang out with my heat pack because it feels nice. And then looking at mm-hmm. like how, if, if time is difficult because there's so many kids and very few of you, looking at that time allocation and like, all right, well, maybe this isn't like the best use of time here, but this is like the really important stuff that actually like needs to happen. What can you change possibly? Or what can you um, delegate if there's more people who can help you? There's just so much that you can, like, uh, you can, you can have a spreadsheet full of stuff. Um, but, you know, just start off with your first ones. Yeah. Like you said, obviously the name of the, the individual, the grade, the date, the intervention and the body part is good to start off with. But then you can expand on that. We can look at more specifics. We can look at your notes. We can look at if you want to add a cost savings multiplier uh, in that, you know, just look at your CMS 
uh, you know, conversions for your area, then if you want to put in an indirect cost factor, that's going a little bit in depth. But, you know, adding a time factor may be your, your, your next step. A lot of caveats. Yeah, a lot of caveats. A lot, a lot of stuff to add. Yeah, but. Yeah. I'll add a little thing with CMS just because I work with third-party reimbursement as an outpatient PT. So just something to consider because um, if somebody doesn't work, actually work with third-party reimbursement, they might realize. Like with CMS, um, with Medicare, because I work with Medicare patients, there are specific guidelines, things that have to be done. There are limitations on things. So if you're using the value, if you're using those monetary amounts, um, just be clear, whoever you're presenting it to, that it is as though there is unlimited <laughs> um, reimbursement. Because in, in the real world, that definitely doesn't happen. There are caps. It depends on the policy if there are visit caps or dollar amount caps. Or there's all different things. But when I've seen that being used, it assumes everything is going to reimburse unlimited, which isn't true. So then that like savings is a little overinflated. So it's an option. It's just be aware of like what that is actually showing because the real world, yeah. they will not cover everything. Right. And again, this, it's just to, to use as an illustration um, to, to highlight the, the value piece of it. And it's not, I wouldn't say it's essential, but it's, it's, it's an additional piece to that puzzle. So Google, Docs, Google Forms, um, so you can make an easy one in there, and I've, I've used it as an example. And again, there's always the question of the HIPAA compliance. So if you're going to use Google Form, you have no other options, then don't put any identifying information as in like student ID, student name, anything like that. Don't put that stuff in there if you're going to use a uh, non-Google Apps for Education because those are those are marked as FERPA compliant or whatever it is. Um, but so if you're going to use Google Forms, then then that'll automatically capture the date and the time once you hit enter. And then you can easily separate that out by, you know, just searching how do I separate columns or whatever it is. Um, and then that can give you that data. And then you can ask those three questions, the body part, the intervention, interventions and sports. And using a Google Form, you can easily select okay, you can put 10 different interventions, ice bag or rehab or whatever. And then as you collect that data, then maybe the next semester you say, okay, now I'm going to put 20 different interventions or whatever it is, whatever, whatever it is you see that you need or you decide you want to try grow from there. But it's say body part, obviously it's important interventions, sport and date and time. Those are good informations as well. One of the things that I wrote down here is we need at Pasadena an incoming we need an incoming freshman or an onboarding program to help prevent injuries. And so that'll be uh, Sophia, my coworker. She's really good at looking at that stuff and creating a plan. Now it's a matter of us communicating that with the coaches saying, here's what we're seeing. Here's what we think is one of the causes. We've consulted some other prof medical professionals and they said, this is one a good idea, a good plan, a good way to do this. Uh, and here's what we would like to do. What can we do to build that program? Um, so again, working together, communicating an onboarding program for the freshmen. And then um, some of the things that we may need to add is making sure that we use the checkboxes or clicks inside of our EMR, which is again rank one here at Pasadena, um, and so that we add the, like the required a doctor's visit button or we add uh, required surgery or um, time missed, like and whatever we define that as. is If we define time missed as one day, okay, then – every day they missed practice or didn't participate, then we need to be able to click that and say they missed today, they missed today, they missed today. And so those are some of the good takeaways that that I've got here. Um, any other closing points, takeaways, thoughts that we, you know, kind of need to sum up or re rehash? I would just say just uh, uh, add that uh, injury surveillance. Um, that's going to gonna help you in the long run. Uh, to look at the survey, uh, look at the exposure rate. Exposure rate, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and going off of that, um, even if it's not everyone's favorite thing, be nerdy, read some journal articles. You will. There are so many neat epidemiology studies, whether they are specific to sports in a certain setting. There are some really interesting ones. There's stuff that might not directly pertain to what we do, but are kind of related, and you might it might give you some ideas. And you can see what exists. Not that you need to be running statistics. But just see what's out there and give you some ideas for how do I want to define things for what I'm trying to do. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, comparing it. Well, I, here's what I have. And let's see nationally what's existed because there are many national like, high school studies. The NCAA has some studies too. And just sort of just to give you an idea of like where do your injury rates or whatever stand um, compared to what we're seeing at a larger scale. 
And then also, um, I can safely say this, that like reach out to epidemiologists. If you have any questions, there are some amazing athletic training, athletic trainer, epidemiologists, and I'm sure they will be more than happy to answer your questions too, because this is what they do for a living. I know we sometimes have a tendency to say, oh, those are the researchers or the academics, but they know this stuff inside out and will be so helpful. They This has been going on for many decades. So reach out, ask questions. Um, they will be very happy to help you. Or start a podcast and get people like Daria and Scott to do the work for you. <laughs> there you go. You're a smart one. <laughs> All right. So again, this is not a strength for me, but it's something that over the years I've realized the value. And again, start small, like they said. Um, narrow it down to preventative programs, get little victories, demonstrate the importance of staying healthy. healthy. Daria says, uh, establish your goals. And again, we're going to be talking more about goals. So on that, I think I just put it out on Instagram. It was yesterday. Yesterday, we've been asking this question for uh, pretty much all of this year is what percentage of 100 are you today? And so the kids right before that would answer Zero out of 10, 10 is the worst pain you've ever felt in your life. I'm a three, I'm a nine, whatever it is. And then we'd, we'd follow that right up with what percentage of 100 so we could write that down, make sure we put that in there. So they were combining the two like in their head. They're like, oh, well, my ankle is at a two out of 10, so I guess I'm 80%, that kind of thing. And so recent, just yesterday, I, two, two of my kids were like, what are you always asking that same question for? I'm like, I'm not. I just want to see like how you're doing overall. Like, how are you feeling? Because maybe you didn't eat breakfast. Maybe you got in a car accident. Maybe this, you know, so overall I'm at about a 50 because, you know, my parents just got divorced last night or, you know, over, you know what? I got a broken ankle, but hey, I'm, I'm 95. I'm good. I'm great. You know? And so that's one of the cool things that when we talk about goals coming up that, that we'll discuss and how I've, what I've done, what I've failed with, what I've succeeded with, and we'll go from there. But I think it's also important in collecting data just because you're seeing it's easy for me to see, okay, well, hey, yesterday you were at 90%, today you're at 91, you know, tomorrow you're at 92, that kind of thing. So it also helps in collecting that data. <clears throat> so, and, I, and I think we've, I'm sorry, I think we spared your audience because we didn't go into patient reported outcomes at all. And that's a whole <laughs> other podcast. No, we've yeah. done a couple of talks like that. And so, yeah. So we'll, it, it kind of keeps coming back to that. So like those patient-centered care, the patient reported outcomes, collecting data, because they they all work together, which, you know, it's just a matter of practicing one and you see, oh, well, now I can use this data that I'm collecting to improve the patient outcomes and focus it more on their center. Because I also ask, what is your goal today? Well, I just want to make it not hurt. I just want to know it's not broke. All right. And so all of that is good to record in there, but start small. Do the little things and you can grow from there. Um, Daria also recommends having clear operational definitions, have objective measures to quantify preventive strategies. And again, that's what we talked about, the um, exposures. And you're looking at, you know, two, three years worth of treatment and seeing, okay, well, the girls basketball only had one ACL instead of four. Next year, you know, we're obviously there's going to be some. And sometimes it just happens. Um, but if we can over time see a decrease then then we're doing good. But we have to collect that data and we have to mark it as preventative uh, so we can see there as well. And then looked at, she just said, look to epidemiology literature, go beyond the big numbers. Don't get, don't get consumed with, like, like we said a couple of times, I did 10,000 ice bags, each of them worth $10. So there you go, that's $100,000 worth of ice bags. Don't get, don't, don't get lost <laughs> in that, okay? I mean, if you're trying to wow the booster club into buying you no ice machine, then okay. Okay, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But um, make sure what you're doing is useful. Like they said, find the questions that are helpful for, this, for the stakeholders. Um, and then in your documentation system, whatever you choose, whatever it is that you have, make it useful for you. So capture the desired variable. We already said those four at the beginning, or those four were the minimum crucial ones. Again, going back to body part, intervention, sport, and then date, and then time if possible. But, you know, again, depending on what you have, most of those, once you enter, once you click enter, it says the date and time uh, automatically. So capturing those variables, grow at those. So I think we've kind of covered and then recovered everything that we've gone over here. And I feel like this is another conversation probably like in a year to see if I've done any of this stuff um, and, and where we've changed. So we'll kind of plan on that, you know, maybe in about a year, just looking again at the data and seeing if we've made any improvements. Um, 
right. So if someone wants to get a hold of you, Daria, I have your on tap physio on Twitter. Is is that the best, best way, way to contact me? All right. Yes. So cool. Very active on Twitter. You can get a hold of Daria at on tap physio. So there are two P's on tap physio. Uh, and then definitely she's, like I said, she's always on there. Get a hold of her there. And Scott, best way to get a hold of you? Uh, in my email, uh, sm at atefficiency.com. And then on Facebook, uh, I also have a, a business page, AT Efficiency. Just type that in. All right. This is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash data collection. So I have a link to Daria. I have a link to Scott, to AT Efficiency. And then any of the the research, the resource articles, research articles that were sent to me, I'll have those linked in there as well. So again, I, I enjoy seeing these things because you put them together, right? So seeing the numbers that you guys have crunched or the hearing the things that, oh, well, here's how I can make my program better. So I really appreciate this conversation, like personally here uh, at Pasadena. And so I, this helps me grow. And if I'm in the secondary setting, then it's got to help at least somebody else grow and provide better patient care. So if someone wants to get a hold of Daria or another epidemiologist, reach out. She'll point you in the right direction. Super helpful. We've interacted quite a few times. Uh, and then Scott, he's been on here a few times as well, talking about everything there. So sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash data collection. Again, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash data collection. And there's a lot of uh, resources and links there in the show notes and you can get all that information there so scott thank you so much daria always a pleasure and for the sports medicine broadcast that is a wrap thanks thank you thank you